Hey guys, Stephanie here. I'm your host of the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast, and I just wanted to say welcome to any of the new listeners that have joined. And I also want to update you guys. We actually have a brand new little nine-month-old girl in our home. She is a foster baby, and she is absolutely beautiful. And uh, if you don't know, we have four boys, so the fact that I have a girl right now is just so fun. And I like have a problem with buying her clothes because they are the cutest things I've ever seen. My boys pretty much live in just like a t-shirt and jeans, so I don't get super fancy with them, but her, oh my goodness, <laughs> I have like, I went to Target and got all the cute matchy stuff and the bows and the whole, the whole nine, so that has been really fun. But let's go ahead and jump into our topic today, which is finances, because I know you guys are very excited. <laughs> this has been one of the like hottest topics that we are talking about. So if you have not listened to episode 003, Honesty in Your Finances, it would be a really good idea to go back and listen to that first. These finance episodes are really designed to just build off of one another. And since we only do it every five weeks, it gives you kind of like a five weeks um just to build routines and practice the action items, just so that you're ready when that next episode comes out, just to be able to start laying on those next steps. And today, we are going to start the conversation on wealth building. This will be part one of this conversation, and in five weeks, I will be releasing part two. And there are a couple of reasons why I want to have this conversation to begin with. And the first reason is that I want to do a little vision casting for everyone who isn't really at a point in their finances where building wealth seems possible. And for some of us, the concept of building wealth is such a distant thought that it doesn't even feel like it's possible for it to even be a part of your story. And you feel like wealth is for other people. The paycheck to paycheck grind is just where you feel like you will really live your entire life in, no matter how hard you work. And you just cannot imagine a way out. And if you are here, I want to encourage you to be mentally tough, to make the sacrifices and to just continue to grind because the choices you are making now and the effort you are putting in today is the starting point for your wealth building journey. And you will look back and appreciate the grit you showed as you're using your wealth to impact those around you who are in these early stages. Okay. And I talk a lot about um, self-limiting beliefs around money in my previous episode, so that would also be a good one for you to go ahead and, um, and look back if you really struggle with the mindset of being stuck or feeling stuck. But I also want to talk about building wealth to answer some common questions like, is it even biblical to acquire wealth? Jesus has so much to say about money, but I think sometimes the message being pushed out by the big C church has gone a little overboard, making it feel like being poor is noble and then being rich is evil. If you are successful financially, then that obviously means you put your focus on the wrong thing and climbed, you know, climbed some kind of ladder and you most likely made climbing that ladder your idol. I don't think churches necessarily preach the you know, sell everything and move to African narrative, but it's definitely against living this American dream of chasing fame and fortune, which, you know, fair enough. But I honestly wonder if the church has impacted the potential of its kingdom with this narrative. Like when people reach some sign, some kind of success, the way America has defined success, does that mean like automatically that they have idolized something other than God? 
Or is there a way to build an empire and keep God at the center of it? I mean, money is a tool, right? Like it's, it's neither good or evil by itself. So having a lot of it or a little of it doesn't really matter. It is the heart in how you use those resources that can be used for good or evil. And it's just simply a tool. And Dave Ramsey says that wealth just magnifies who you are already. If you are selfish and undisciplined, well, wealth is going to reveal that on a larger scale. It will show that you are very selfish and very undisciplined. But the opposite would also be true. If you are very generous or if you're generous, wealth will expose that you are very generous, right? And take the story of in the Bible of the rich man who came to Jesus wanting to follow him. And Jesus knew in his heart that his wealth had consumed him, that it was an obstacle and that having this wealth would ultimately keep him from focusing on the kingdom and truly experiencing God's love. So he asked him to sell all his possessions and to follow him. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the story for everyone who has wealth. A healthy perspective and mindset around wealth can change your outcome. So if you're not somebody who are, you know, or who is just grasping onto every dollar, every penny, like you just need all of it, right? If you're somebody like that, maybe you do need to like let go, you know, and like this guy, sell everything and start over, sell everything and move to Africa, sell everything and do whatever. But if that's not your heart, if that's not, if money isn't something you're idolizing, wealth could be a very, very good thing, or I guess it could be used for something very good. And if you are generous and kind, then wealth will reveal that on a larger scale, like I just said. And I just wonder what the impact could be if more Christ followers stepped into their God-given potential and created or worked for his glory. And in turn, God blessed them greatly so that they could continue to be a blessing to others. And I think we need more good and generous and integrity-filled people who aren't afraid to accumulate wealth to use it for the kingdom. And I don't know, I'm just working through this recently because when I started working on this business, I had only told about, I don't know, like five people about it. And I had been working on it for over a year at this point. And there were some reasons that I was scared to actually start and just put it out there. But one of the reasons I felt scared to start was because I was scared that I would be successful. Like, what if? (laughs) And I know that sounds so dumb, but I am so serious. I had such a fire in my heart to just create this huge platform to love on and speak life into moms. And once this idea was put into my heart, I really, really felt For the first time in my entire life, like this is where my passion and my talents kind of came to a head. And I felt like this is where I step into the call that Jesus had on my life. And I had an opportunity just to make a really big impact if I would just lean in. And, you know, I had dreams that I would like never say out loud. I said in the last episode, you know, like I wanted to make a million dollars. I want to make a million dollars in one calendar year, you know, but I want to be a world changer through generosity. And I'm not just being noble 
we're exaggerating by saying like, I want to make a million dollars so I can give it all away. You guys, that's literally my heart. And if you know me, you know that I have such a deep passion about this and having like conversations surrounding missions and whatever. Like if you want to talk missions, I'm your girl. (laughs) That is what fills me up. I love serving. I love talking about it. I love organizations that help. And I love to like find the root cause of a problem um, and just dig in there and figure out who is really helping, what really helps, you know, whatever problem they are trying to solve. So I am like so serious when I say I want to make a million dollars and then I pretty much just want to give it all away. (laughs) So anyways, but I also, I mean, I have dreams of speaking on stages in front of thousands and not for fame, but to hopefully have moms hear exactly what they need to hear in that specific moment. I mean, I've sat in the seats of being of one of thousands of other speakers who have just spoke in exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. I have dreams of generational change being made through this business and for a ripple effect to start with me and to let God use me as a platform to change lives. But you guys, I literally sat on this for a year thinking, well, if I became successful, then people are going to judge me. They would think I was just chasing, chasing attention and publicity. I felt like they would think, I don't know, like, wow, she's finally a stay-at-home mom and now she's giving up time with her family or whatever it might be. And I really struggled with all of this until I realized, you guys, (laughs) we got to stop playing small. When I say play small, I just mean we need to stop stunting our potential. And if you guys, you know, if you know you are just meant to be a mom, then girl, step in to being that best mom that you can be and lean into teaching your kids all the things. Become the best version of yourself so your kids see what a healthy adult looks like. Invest in your relationships so they can see what healthy relationships look like. If you are called to be a teacher, stop feeling guilty that you are leaving your kids. Miss them. Sure, we all do. But I know teachers who are like, I am just a better working mom. Insert like nurse here, financial planner, zookeeper. I don't freaking care. (laughs) If you are someone who loves their children with all of their heart, but just feel like the career you are in is also where you're meant to be and you're meant to just be teaching and giving and loving on people, then girl, go for it and leave the guilt at the door. Seriously. And find a good place where your kids are being poured into and just do the dang thing. Are you a mama that wants to start a business or be a part of a business? Girl, go for it. Clarity, like clarity is so hard when everyone around you is telling you to do 1500 different things. You know, you should be the one home to raise your kids. You should work so that you can contribute to the household. You should take off time when the kids are little. You should work while they're little so you can stay on track for retirement. Don't forget if you work that you're going to get that pension, but don't start that business. You don't have the time. Actually follow your dreams. Hey, you should probably vaccinate your children. Actually, don't vaccinate your children. Maybe you should homeschool or unschool. Send them to a public school. Let them watch TV and play games so they're tech savvy. You know, they're going to need that in this technological world. But don't let them watch too much TV because it fries their brain. Make sure you put sunscreen on them so they don't get skin cancer. Wait, actually, sunscreen gives them cancer. Oh, my God. Like, just breathe. This is why it is so important to just step away and freaking think for two seconds without all the noise. Who are you? Who are you? Who did God make you to be? Did he make you light up as a stay-at-home mom, even though it is so hard? 
Did he make you light up being a teacher and teaching the next generations? Did he make you business-minded and you want to create something good from the ground up? Who are you? No matter what you choose to do, you are going to have to sacrifice something in some way, shape, or form. But whatever you decide to do, whether it leads you on a path of less money, honestly, or more money, let me remind you of this. It is much easier in America, especially, to earn a lot of money than it is to accumulate wealth. And there is a big difference between the two, even though they both sound like the same thing. I mean, number one, just because you don't make millions doesn't mean you can't build build wealth. Like I said in the Honesty in Your Finances episode, which is episode 003, and I would, again, encourage you to go check it out, I mentioned having margin in your finances is a prerequisite to building wealth. Also, though, if you want to build wealth, uh, stop consuming so much. (laughs) Wealthy people are wealthy because they don't spend every single dime they have. They invest and they have money working for them. I mean, if we spend a dollar a day, it is worth a dollar, no more, no less. But if we save that dollar and have it be worth 50, I don't know, in the next 30 years or whatever, then the patience and discipline is where the wealth generation starts. When we can switch from throwing away money into leases, which is probably the worst possible financial decision that you can make, (laughs) car payments high-end items to keep up with the Joneses and even McDonald's all the dang time when you can use those dollars to save or invest in something that puts your money to work for you. This is a concept that is difficult to grasp when you are in the grind of just trying to make it to the next month. So we are going to start talking logistics here. How and when does wealth become a financial goal and not just an aspiration to achieve one day. Let's talk about some things that have to fall into place before the building wealth conversation even makes sense to have. You guys already know I am a Dave Ramsey fan. And if you haven't listened to that, (laughs) said it 14 times now, honesty in your finances episode, or if you're not in our Facebook group yet, then the way our family got out of debt was by following Dave Ramsey's methods. And we know so many people who have been successful using his methods. So we aren't going to like reinvent the wheel here and we ain't going to try to fix what ain't broke. You know what I mean? So first off, you can't be in consumer debt and simultaneously build wealth. You're kind of like robbing Peter to pay Paul at this point And it doesn't make sense. So you've got to take care of yourself first. It's kind of like the airplane rules, you know, like give yourself oxygen before you give someone else oxygen if something happens, but that way you're in, you know, so you're in a position to help someone. So let's talk about how to get there because I think most people have the aspiration to build wealth, but just might not know how the steps to get there. And these that we're getting ready to talk about are Dave Ramsey's baby steps that we personally went through as a family. And I will link to these in the show notes. His website is amazing and has so many resources. And they are also laid out in his book called The Total Money Makeover. Okay. And the first step is getting a $1,000 emergency fund. So let's chat about this and why this is an important first step. An emergency fund is for, wait for it, an emergency. (laughs) 
<laughs> a part for your car that you have to you have to get you have to get in order to keep it running. Um, an unexpected hospital visit, you know, etc. Whatever. Now, a lot of people will argue this method in one of two ways. The first way is just to ignore it. I mean, you haven't had an emergency fund ever. <laughs> and you get excited about, you know, as we start having these conversations about just getting out of debt. So you just pay that extra couple hundred dollars towards your debt and just hope and pray that an unexpected emergency doesn't happen. Well, the problem with that is, is that y'all, something's going to happen. You know it. A kid's going to get sick. You're going to get sick. A tire gets flat. Your water main blows, you know, whatever. So when, not if, when these happen and you don't have an emergency fund, guess what happens? All the daggone debt you've been paying off on that credit card or whatever is kind of null and void because you have no savings to cover those new tires or whatever. So you put them on the credit card. That's the crazy cycle that you don't want to be in on. All right. So like talk about getting super discouraged. But but if you have that $1,000 on the side and now you're working like crazy to pay off your debt, then if something comes up, you know, you take $400 or whatever out of your emergency fund and you go back and, and spend it on whatever you need to spend it on. And then you go back and you, you just refill that $400 back into your emergency fund to make it $1,000 again as fast as you can. And guess what's nice about this? Y'all, no stress. No stress. I was talking um, to a girl actually a little bit ago and they had a goal to build up you know, their emergency fund. And her goal was just to be at $500 by the end of December of 2019. And I followed up with her asking how it went. Like, hey, did you hit your goal? And she said, actually, we almost got to $1,000, but then the car needed new tires and something else popped up. And she was like, man, freaking life. <laughs> but I was so proud. Like, for one, you doubled your goal. So, like, that's amazing. But talk about getting it done. And second... You all, that seems like a setback because you almost had it. You almost had your $1,000. You were almost done with that first step and then life happened. But actually, you guys, that's a win. Like how amazing, how amazing does it feel to need that $400 or, you know, have whatever, however much tires cost and be like, here you go. Like go to your bank account, withdraw $400 and pay the people, right? I mean, sure, it dipped into your savings, but at least you had it. And that's a much different feeling than just adding it to your credit card and ultimately just paying interest. I mean, you needed $400 worth of tires and you paid $400, not, you know, $450 after interest was added on a credit card. My point is, is that having a savings is a way to feel like you're winning with money early on in this process. You get that shot of dopamine even when you have a setback, which helps you keep, be, you know, helps you stay determined and on track. And the second way that people kind of dismiss this whole $1,000 emergency fund is that they don't believe that $1,000 is enough. And they want to keep, I don't know, like $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 in their savings. So here's the deal, you guys. Let me just like throw it out there. $1,000 is absolutely not enough. It's not enough. It, it is an inadequate emergency fund. This is just a starter 
emergency fund that acts as a good enough kind of safety net for you while you get to work on your debt. Inadequate savings is three to six months, which that's baby step number three. Okay, so we'll get there. That in that variation um, for that three to six months. So some people are like, why? Like, what do you do? Three, six, three months, six months, what? That variation is basically because it just depends on your situation. If you are a family living off of one income, then you're probably going to want that six month cushion. If you are both making an income, then three to four months might be adequate because if someone lost their job, you would still have, you know, an income to scrape by with. And if you are single, if you are a single mom or a single dad, then Six months, honestly, is probably ideal for obvious reasons, but that is just a personal decision on on your part. But here's the fun and rewarding part, and I may be like a nerd for calling this fun, but it gets me excited. If you sat and added up all your payments right now, mortgage, utilities, payments due, you know, on the debt that you have, the cost to run your household, whatever, you may have a $3,000 a month going into payments alone. That means you would need $9,000 for a three-month savings, right? Three months, or I'm sorry, $3,000 going out every month. You need to save for three months. You need $9,000 to cover all of your expenses. But think about it. If you had no consumer debt, and you guys, this does not include your mortgage, remember, the amount going out would be dramatically less. Let's say like, I don't know, 2000 so now, because you've gotten rid of all of your, your consumer debt, you only owe $2,000 a month when that includes like your mortgage and your household and whatever else. So now your three-month savings is only 6000 right? So your three-month savings, you only have to save up $6,000 for that to be in full effect. So your money goes further. So if you have a lot of extra savings now but are saddled with you know consumer debt, how freeing on your wealth building journey would it be to just use that savings to knock off like a third of your monthly financial obligations in just one shot. I mean, huge. Okay, so once you have your emergency fund, once you got that $1,000, now what? Well, now you begin with your debt snowball, okay? Your debt snowball is set up like this. You list out all of your debts outside of your mortgage. Remember, that's that comes later. In order from smallest to largest, according to their balance, not their minimum payment, not their interest rate, their balance. And I want to have a side conversation really quick, you guys, because I've gotten this question a couple different times. If you have debts and collections, Dave will typically say that those do not go in your, um, in your debt snowball. And listen, I have only heard him speak on this topic a couple of times and we haven't personally um, had this issue, so just you know, take it for what it is. But his advice has basically been that if you have loans and collections, then just let them be for now because they are already there. And collect debt collectors will call you and they will try to threaten you and scare you, but you guys just like don't listen to them seriously. <laughs> just let just let them you know just hang up on them. It's fine. You need to take care of your four walls first. Do not, do not pay the money that you have for your mortgage towards those loans and collections. Once you are done paying off your snowball, then you can look at each of the loans you have in collections. And here's kind of the basic rule of thumb. If they are $300 or lower, you're just going to pay those off, 
like here you go, $300, $150, whatever. All those little loans, once you're done with your snowball, pay them off. If the balance is higher than this, if, if your balance of a loan and collections is higher than $300, you should offer them half of what the balance is in cash with the written understanding that it will be paid in full after making the payment. And you guys, if you do not get it in writing, then that conversation never happened. Okay. Also, don't ever give them your checking or debit account numbers so that they can like withdraw the amount you you discussed because they will tell you they're only taking, I don't know, like if you owed, if you were going to, if you owed $5,000 on a um, loan and you offered them $2,500 in cash, right? Then you're going to tell um, them that they can have that and then you give them your banking number and they'll be like, yeah, I'll only take $2,500. Do you think they're actually going to do that? No, they will legitimately debit $5,000 from your account. Apparently that's a thing and that's crap, but it is what it is. Um, so protect yourself and pay in cash and get things in writing, okay? So anyways, back to the debt snowball. Once you have your debts outside of your mortgage and the stuff in collections listed smallest to largest according to their balance, you will just start attacking the smallest one. Every spare penny goes towards that balance. You will still pay on other debts. You'll just pay their minimum payments throughout the month and nothing more. So for example, even if you had a debt, a loan, credit card, whatever, that had a $25 minimum payment, but you were like being, being good and paying like $100 every month on it, if that is not your smallest debt and that's not the one you're attacking, you are going to drop that payment back down to a $25 a month until it's time to attack like that specific debt. And this is designed this way for a couple of reasons. So the first reason is to give, first of all, just some daggone order to the chaos of everything that is due. And when you have a plan for something, it is so much less overwhelming. And second... It's so that you can have some quick wins. And that is like a mental thing that you can do a ton of research on. Like quick wins will keep you motivated. If you are staring down the barrel of a $90,000 student loan debt on top of like a million little things, that is going to be so daunting, you will give up. But if you are staring at an $800 loan or $1,500 credit card or even like a $3,000 bill, well, with a budget laser focus and some sacrifices on your, you know, probably frivolous spending, <laughs> you can eliminate that fairly quickly. And third, the debt snowball is set up so that once the smallest loan is paid off, you can now take that previous minimum, minimum payment and put it towards the next loan payment. And ultimately it begins to compound as you make your way through your debt. Hence the name snowball, right? It gains momentum so that when you finally do come to he come head to head with the major loan at the end, you have some serious cash to throw at it in big chunks instead of like trying to nickel and dime it for 30 years, right? So once you finish up your debt snowball, you are going to want to look at those loans and collections and deal with it like I talked about earlier. And maybe I'll do like a... Um, I'll do more research on that and maybe do like a live in our Facebook group surrounding that if you guys have more questions with that. So now what? Once you've paid off your consumer debt, 
now is the time to start your adequate savings of three to six months. And like I said in the beginning, this is kind of up to you and your circumstances. But now you get to add up all of your payments that you have left, which should be a much more reasonable number now that all of your consumer debt is gone. And then you multiply that by three or four or five, six months, whatever you feel is necessary. And in this stage, what's kind of cool is that you have your debt snowball now that has gained momentum. So I would just like roll that snowball right on over to your savings now. And how fun is it to pay yourself big chunks of your hard-earned money in the form of savings instead of paying it to everyone else. (laughs) It's a good feeling, you guys. We have been there. It is such a good feeling. A quote that I really like says this, those who buy what they do not need steal from themselves. Those who buy what they do not need steal from themselves. How true is that? At this point, you are feeling like, you know, you have some money at this point, you know, once you're working on your three to six month savings and you do. Yay. (laughs) So exciting. But the discipline you need to have here is continuing to save so you can pay for things that you want or need in cash. You want a $1,500 couch now because, you know, the one you have has holes in it and it's old and it's from your great grandma or whatever. Fine. But please do not get out of debt and go finance something the second you get out of debt. (laughs) Save up and then pay cash for it once you can actually afford it. American consumerism tells us that if you want it, you can have it, right? But true financial freedom is having the patience to buy things after you have the money for them. And that is how it is designed. That is the whole point. (laughs) That is what our money and our work is designed to do, right? Not buying them because you can afford the payments. I think it's Millionaire Next Door. That book basically talks about that people who don't have wealth or, you know, poor people or who, who the heck knows. Either way, they think in payments. Can I afford the payment? Where wealthy people or people who are disciplined with their money think, can I afford that item? So there's a mindset shift there. So are you thinking in form of, can I afford that payment? Or can I afford that balance? That's something to keep in mind, okay? And people have some issues with Dave Ramsey because if you are really smart with money and can have a same as cash offer or, you know, they argue, if I can get points, like, just for using a card and paying it off monthly, is it, and it's free money, like, why would I not do that? Well, here's the problem, you guys. You did not. I did not. We did not get into the situation we just got out of (laughs) because we had self-control with money. If you are at the point where you are out of consumer debt completely, sure, you have had a mindset shift for sure around money and are probably more responsible, but you guys don't fall right back into the payments and having credit cards just to pay them off monthly the second you get out of debt. Many people get out of debt and go right back into debt, okay? So here's the deal. Maybe, maybe, Once you are like far removed from your debt and you have sustained a debt-free lifestyle, 
then we can have a conversation. <laughs> but Dave Ramsey is mainly talking to people who really struggle when it becomes when it comes to just being disciplined in their finances. So if you keep the temptation of credit cards away for a while, it is probably best. Okay. So here are my action steps for you as we move into this next five-week cycle. And to recap, if you are following live, I encourage you to track your spending these past five weeks so you could figure out where you stood with your finances. You can't make a budget if you don't know how much you spend on certain categories. And you can't track a month's spending in a week. (laughs) So I gave you five weeks, all right? So I really, really hope that you did that. Now... Over these next five weeks, I really, really want you to budget. I want you to lay out your month spending and take a hard look at what is frivolous, and I want you to cut it out. The goal being to get where you are spending only money on what you need, and then using the rest to dig out of the mountain of consumer debt you are in, okay? And remember, guys, like, I am so talking from experience here, um... And I'm going to be doing some more Facebook Lives on this topic also. So just, um, I I hope that you guys are really kind of following through with this plan. But let's talk really quickly about what is frivolous. You do not need to have a cable bill. Nor do you need to have five streaming services. You do not need to spend $100 to $200 a month on you know, some kind of expensive workout clothes or just shoes or other favorite like name brand clothing. You do not need to go out to eat multiple times a week. You do not even need a car with a payment when you can buy a perfectly reliable car at like a car auction for $1,500. Y'all, I know this is extreme, but this is something, the car, that we did personally to cut out a chunk of debt on our journey, and it was a game changer. Um, I talked about my story and our story in a Facebook Live I did on our group, and yeah, guys, we had um, bought an Audi and a Kia Sorento, and they were newer, and... um, on top of like the dream house that we wanted, you guys, we just like went, we just didn't even play around. <laughs> we just went straight there. And we ended up, when we got serious about getting out of debt, uh, we sold my husband's dream car. And guess what? We lost money on it. I think we had to pay like three or four months after it was gone. But it was also a huge weight lifted. So just because you might lose a little bit of money on a car doesn't mean it's still an asset. Anyways, I could go on a soapbox with this because um, it's just doable. And, and sometimes it's those hard decisions that really need to happen. Like we had no business having the cars that we did. We had no business living and paying the mortgage we were paying in that house because we didn't have the income to support that. So we had to make a decision and we ultimately sold our house. Uh, We sold my husband's Audi. He actually took my Kia Sorento and then I got like a $3,000 van. And you guys, it's safe. (laughs) Like the wheels aren't falling off. You don't need a $30,000, $40,000 car to be safe. 
Okay, so just that truth bomb really quickly because I hear that a lot. <laughs> I want to be safe. You know, it's winter. It's whatever. You don't need a $30,000 car to be safe. Okay, so just remember that. Um, anyways, I know that we all like to look great and fabulous and who doesn't, but you don't need to get your nails done. You don't need to get your hair done monthly. These are all sacrifices you can make while being laser focused on hitting your goal of becoming debt-free and building wealth. And remember, like these, all these things, all of them can be added back in, in a different season, but in a healthy planned and budgeted way, once you have cleared your debt and are building wealth, this is a season of focus and growth and it takes grit and determination but it is so rewarding, you guys. Like I, people ask me how I became a stay-at-home mom. And I will tell you, like we sold our cars. We sold my dream house. Like we, I'm, I mean, we just did all of those things. And I, and I just can't tell you enough that my kids, my four boys and our little foster girl run up and down these hallways. And this, literally this house is half the size of our old house. Um, just like they did in that house. They have just as much fun. We have dinner around the exact same table. You know, we we do the exact same thing, moving night on our couch. Like, we all still hang out. No one is suffering because of it. We have housed up to seven children in this house. And it's half the size of our old house. So it is so doable, Got you guys. It's just like, can you make that decision? Can you make that hard decision? And what I want is for you to tell every single dollar you work so hard for where to go. And I want you just to try that for one month. If you don't have a $1,000 emergency fund, then I want you to begin to start building that up this next month and move into your first loan in your debt snowball. If you already have your $1,000, then your job is to just dial in your budget and start attacking that first loan in your snowball. I will be posting tomorrow on our page just about this episode, and I would love for everyone to share their wins and questions this next month on there. And you guys, if you have like topics or questions or whatever it is, type it in there and let me know. I'm happy to sit and do a live or a teaching or I recommend resources or whatever that might be. All right, guys, so on the next finances episode, we are going to continue talking through these baby steps. We will talk about retirement and college savings and ultimately building wealth and giving abundantly. This is going to be an exciting episode because I think everyone aspires to be able to get to this point. But first, (laughs) we just need to clear the waters of our debt so that we have a clear path on how to get to this point. And I am so excited to walk with you in this financial journey and help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace. Did you know that there is a Facebook community built around continuing the conversations we have had on this podcast? Go to the Legacy Through Motherhood community with Stephanie Sims to stay connected on a more personal level. Also, follow me on Instagram at legacy underscore through underscore motherhood. And remember, you guys, whatever goal you are crushing or whatever thing you are struggling with, you are already enough.